You are listening to audio from Creekside Community Church. If you'd like to learn more about Creekside, find out about our services and upcoming events, or listen to other sermons, please visit creeksidecommunity.org. Good morning, family. Well, I'm so grateful to be here with you all this morning. Um, I call people family when I've been around them for long enough where I said, hey, we're starting to look alike. You know, I think me and Jeff, we're brothers, we're starting to look alike a bit. I don't know if he's getting darker or lighter. I'm getting a little controversial. All right. Um, Well, today I'm going to talk about something that I think is at the foundation of our faith, and it is important for the keep goingness of our faith. Don't don't email me about that. That's not a word. I know it's not. But I want to talk about this idea of keep going. And there's something that I think we need to hear right now. Let's hear what the art of Hebrew says here in chapter 10, starting verses 32 through 39. You can follow along with me in your bulletins. Listen to what he, he writes. He says, Remember those earlier days after you had received the light when you endured a great conflict full of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. In but my righteous one will live by faith. I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. Well, many of you, this is the word of the Lord, um, many of you may be very familiar with our story already. And maybe some of you are just now getting to know us. And so let me rehash once again, as Jeff has already done in part, uh, a bit of our story. Back in 2017, I returned back to the Bay to visit uh, after being gone from the Bay for about four years uh, after completing my grad studies uh, here in the Bay. I came back in 2017 and with this vision and this dream of planting another gospel-centered church in the city of Oakland, the town of Oakland. And I fell in love with Oakland during my seminary years. Then 2018, we said, that, okay, we believe that the Lord is calling us to this place. And my family and I took the long track across the country with the U-Haul and all, and we landed in the bay. In 2019, Uh, we got to look closer to realizing that dream of seeing lives transformed and seeing people come alive who was once in the realm of darkness, as Paul describes in Colossians, and have now entered into the the, uh, kingdom of God's light. We wanted to see more of that happening, transformative realities happening as a result of more gospel ministry going forth in the Bay, and partnering with churches like Creekside and the Bay to see that in. And so we then launched in uh, 2019, and then five months later, the world turned on fire. Don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. The world turned on fire and flipped upside down in every way imaginable for a person who just started a church, and even for churches that have been existing for quite some time. 
the world turned upside down and socially and in the public health and political division in the country. And even more disheartenedly, uh, so much division was seen demonstrated in the church. And perhaps it had always, always been there, but now there's a context that will bring it out. There was so much going on and so much that was facing or that we face as a church plant. Over and over again, you hear of fatigue sweeping across the nation indiscriminately. And stats have shown that many have desired to simply give up. This pandemic has cost a lot, and many of us will attest it has cost a lot. A couple of weeks ago, I had to fly to St. Louis to bury my grandmother because of COVID. 571,000 deaths have been claimed, or lives have been claimed by this pandemic. Over 100,000 businesses have failed during the last year and a half alone because of this pandemic. Marriages and divorces spiked 34% in our country in light of COVID, and that number is probably a lot higher now because it was only the first three months that this number is reporting. And it's believed that one in five churches will close their doors because of COVID. And I think the reality here that everyone would probably relate to is that the other thing on top of that is the thing called real life. It never quite stopped, did it? Real life happening. Now, some of us are sitting here saying that, now, Pastor, uh, you, we could have stayed home and watched the news for bad news, okay? Uh, I got some good news. Be patient with me. But this is a reality that's bearing on the churches. And then as we're talking about our story and give a report to this ministry that supports us, this is certainly things that we're facing and things that we're looking at and realities that have great ramifications and consequences for our church. And perhaps you're like so many that I've already kind of outlined here. Perhaps you're in the church right now and you're saying that, you know what, they're not the only ones that wanted to give up. You know what, as a matter of fact, there are some things that I gave up on and maybe you're here right now saying that and toying with the idea, what if I just stop? What would life be like if I just stopped and stopped whatever that thing is? Maybe it's marriage. Maybe it's the business. Maybe it's the goal. Whatever it is, what if I just stopped? And maybe it is something as serious as marriage. Several of those things are, are serious, but maybe you have been looking at your faith. Your faith in the, in the gospel and the, the efficacy of the gospel and what Christ has completed. Maybe it's that that you're contemplating. I want to contemplate and toy with the idea, what would it be, what would the fallout be if I just stopped and gave up? Well, today I want to talk to you about what this author sees as so important, and it's a very important theme in the entirety of Scripture, and that's this idea of endurance. I believe that this is the word that God gave to Realm Church in many of those nights that my wife and I were talking and said, hey, it would be easy to just stop because I can make more money somewhere else. Trust me, I could. It would be easier to just stop. And maybe we should just do, think about this. The Lord brought much conviction, but the Lord brought much encouragement through this word endurance. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So the text is going to talk about why and the need for endurance as well as the danger of apostasy. And so I want to talk to you, church. I want to talk to you, Christian, in that regards. But also, if you find yourself in this place 
And later, if you listen to this message, and you find yourself saying that, hey, I'm actually not a Christian, and you're standing on the fence of Christianity trying to investigate, I want to talk to you also about the joy and about the anchoredness that you can have, even though the world may be upside down and your soul seems like it's about to lift from this world. It's a joy that we have and an endurance that we have. So let's talk about endurance for a minute. The first point I want to talk about here, if you follow along in your bulletins, is your endurance is for confidence. Your endurance is for confidence. Confidence is very important. This is not uh, just simply a um, feel-good type of um, a talk or just, um, what do you call those, motivational speakers. I'm not trying to be a motivational speaker here today. I want to be a proclaimer of the gospel. But confidence is very important to endurance and what God wants and Christ wants for you. Let's start in verse 32. It says, remember those earlier days after you had received the light when you endured a great conflict full of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded, though Arthur says. The first thing that we see here in, in looking at this idea of confidence and endurance is remember the endurance. He says, remember the endurance you had when you first believed. You remember that when you first were enlightened to the light of the gospel and you, you were awakened and you said that, I realized, wow, I am actually a sinner and I, and I stand in need of forgiveness to God. Wow. Y'all remember that day? I remember that day like it was yesterday. I'm actually in great need of forgiveness for, uh, from God for living an autonomous life and taking my life and doing what I wanted to do with it. Lord, I stand in debt. I need someone to pay for the debt. And Jesus was the debt payer. Amen? He says, you remember that time, but you remember what accompanied that? There was great zeal and great fire, and there were some things that he's going to point back to that's very important to the joy of their endurance. He says, consider the reasons needed for that endurance in the first place, looking at verses 33 through 34. He uses this word endurance, which is a combination of two words, hupo and minno, which is to be under and to remain. He says that, listen, I want you to remember when you remain under some trial and some suffering because it's important for what you may be experiencing right now as he's talking to the church and his audience. He says, see, you're, you're going through some things right now and you're witnessing and you're seeing people leave the church. They're falling apostate. They're, they're running away and they're walking away from the Lord. And you see even more trials and fiery darts coming against you, and you may be wondering, what in the world did I get myself into? I thought all this stuff was going to stop. Well, wait a minute. Let me write to you regarding, your, regarding this and your encouragement. He says, you remember that time earlier on when you stood under persecution, and it didn't matter what anybody did to you. It didn't matter what anybody said to you. Your, your hope was firm, and you knew what God had done in your life, and you saw the truth of the gospel. You were blind, but now you see you remember that. See, he's calling them to remember something from their past that was pertinent to their present, which was two things, those sufferings and endurance. 
The author says, remember the time when you first believed, when you first were enlightened with the truth of the gospel. We remember what you were experiencing in life during those days. And he says that it, come, and it came in the form of these four things, public insult, persecution, prison, and property. He says, you experienced that. Do you remember that? He says, you experienced so much, and the reason needed for that endurance were real-life human struggles. I wonder if anybody in this room know what I'm talking about. It tends to be those things that happen between the hours of nine, uh, after the hours of nine and twelve, on Sunday mornings. It's the stuff that happens Sunday through Saturday. It's the real life. It's what you're going back home to. It's what you're facing when you're facing the anxiety and the questions and the recorder that won't seem to stop with all of the fear that's filling your mind. It's those things. He's, he wants to write and he wants to talk about something that God has done that's very important to this narrative of endurance. He says, as many of you are suffering now, as you may be battle-scored or as you may be battle-fatigued, I want you to remember your spiritual responses to those sufferings, and I want you to think back on what God had done and did for you and carrying you through those sufferings. He says, you remained under pressure of the suffering and endured public insult and persecution. The connotation of that idea of public insult is actually, it had the connotation of gladiatorial games being taken before uh, the, the mob and being taken before the, the big crowds as they were being paraded in the Colosseum. Colosseum. It has that connotation to it. And many of them historically were taken before the mobs and given choices. Hey, you either denounce this king that you're talking about, this new king of kings, and you declare that Caesar is God. He says, remember when you were taken before? You remember that? When many of your friends were taken before? You remember that? He says that, do you remember that even if it wasn't you, you saw your neighbor and your brother and sister being, going through some things, and, and you even said to yourself that there's no way in the world I'm going to let my brother and sister suffer by themselves. I'm going to go side by side with them, cheek to cheek, cheek to jowl, side by side, shoulder to shoulder with my brother and sister. I wonder if some of us feel this even in this politically divisive age where we have brothers and sisters standing on both sides of the, of the aisle. Somebody began to dog our brother and sister out. Will we step to their side if they're on opposing sides? Uh-oh. I'm stepping on somebody's toes here. I'm stepping on my own toes. He says that you remember those times, that, that time where you were so filled with the joy of the Lord that it didn't just apply to you, but applied to your brother and sister next to you. And with imprisonment and property confiscation, it says that here, you joyfully accepted because you knew that you had a possession that the world couldn't give or the world couldn't take away. Your theology was fresh and you were in the knowing of the word of God. You knew and you lived out truth in a very powerful and practical way. Do you remember that? See, I believe that there's a spiritual principle that needs to be understood here regarding the spiritual benefit of previous enduring that the author is trying to bring within our scope. Well, what is that? The endurance of yesterday propels confidence for today. He wants to tell them and point them that it's a spiritual discipline to look back and remember what God has done in your life and it is good and necessary for how you go about your confidence for today. Looking back at what God has done and looking back at, his, at how he has parted the sea, looking back at how he had delivered you from that situation or delivered you from that struggle or delivered you from that midnight hour is looking at what God has done. 
And that's supposed to propel and do something for the things you're suffering with now. See, often when we go through suffering and when we go through hard times, as it continues to knock against us and make us more and more numb, we develop spiritual amnesia. And we say that I for, there's no way in the world God can make, no, not, not this, Lord, surely not this. And, and he's going to call them back. Listen, this ain't, this ain't got nothing on, on you and what God has already brought you through. He says, you can lose things now because of the incomparable possessions that God will give you later. Which brings us to the tip of our first point this morning. There is a direct correlation between the endurance of your faith and the confidence of your faith. They both go hand in hand. They, they go together and he's writing for that joy, for that confidence that they may have this confidence and continue to endure. Your endurance with Jesus and your confidence in Jesus is tied together and that's what he's talking about this morning. This is why the author says in verse 35, so do not throw away your confidence. Don't throw away your confidence because to throw away your, your confidence is going to affect your, your endurance. And, and this thing works together, and I want to keep your confidence strong and look at what the Lord has done, but there's something powerful the Lord is doing. Your confidence in what, though? See, at the beginning of this section in verse 19, let me set the context. Theologically speaking here, the author says that, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence, there that word go again, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. And then he goes down and says a couple of verses later in verse 23 before our section this morning, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. So in both of these passages, you have the idea of endurance and confidence present here. He's telling us that, listen, we have a confidence to, to enter into the holy of holies because of the work that Jesus has done on the cross. The gospel remains our confidence that in the midnight hour, we have direct access to God. And no matter where we are, no matter how low we may plummet, there's no uh, pit, uh, 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 pitch or pit deep enough, excuse me, that God cannot reach. He's trying to bring within our scope and bring within focus that we have direct access to God. We have confidence in this, which is why it matters, because as he's going to pick up this verse and this word again in our verse this morning, he's saying that, listen, do not throw away that confidence. The confidence in the gospel or in the finished work of Jesus. Don't throw away what Jesus has accomplished. That next verse, verse 23, is that, listen, you have every reason to have full assurance because he is faithful. Praise the Lord that that is not based off of your ability to conjure up strength or your ability to keep on going. It's based on someone else that you can root your confidence in, and that person is faithful and steadfast, like we sang this morning. I can't sing like my brother too. I can't says you have full assurance, you have confidence, that you have direct access to God, and that's why you need it, that you may draw near to God's throne in your time of need. You need to have this confidence, and your keep on goingness continues to fuel the confidence. The confidence infused the endurance. So, brothers and sisters, the confidence is not the confidence itself, nor or in and of itself, nor is it found within you, rather the confidence that you are 
not to throw away. It's a confidence provided in a person and a confidence provided by a person. I think the author of Hebrews is essentially making the argument in those moments of weakness or in the heat of battle, you want to know what encouragement you have to keep going. He says, do these two things. Listen, look back at what the Lord has done, but also look forward to what the Lord is able to do based on what he's already done. Amen? This is why he says in verse 35, so do not throw away your confidence. Why? He asks the question, why? Because it will be richly rewarded. See, the reward, the reward comes in front of you. What God has already done is behind you, and they work together to keep you going in this thing, keep the joy going and, and burning in this thing, which brings us to our next point. Your endurance is not only for confidence, but your endurance is also for reward. Picking up in verse 36, he says this, you need to persevere. You need to persevere. So that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay in, but my righteous one will live by faith, and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back, no, and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. There is a symbiotic relationship between enduring and reward. This is what the Lord set before Realm Church, and this is what the Lord set before me as an individual during this season of great difficulty. And just as a warning, if I can speak prophetically here, not to scare you here, but this, we're only experiencing the, one of the first waves against the church. There's going to be other things that hits the church, saints. There is a symbiotic relationship that is occurs in this beautiful dance that occurs between enduring and reward because the very thing that keeps you enduring in the first place is rooted in a reward necessary for the fueling of the enduring. Does that verbal judo, does it work? I think it does. Let me illustrate it this way when we think about endurance and when we think about reward because I think we know that this is something that's very natural. I used to be one of those guys uh, that did CrossFit. You know, kind of like how, how Jeff just wake up in the morning looking, you know. Uh, I got to fight for that, y'all. I got to fight for it. And uh, I used to be one of those guys that do CrossFit and that's, you know, leave your lungs, your sweat, and, and your, everything on the mat. And at the beginning, this is no exaggeration. Listen, at the beginning of each workout, I would ask myself, why do I do this to myself? I will literally have that conversation with myself. Do I need to go? I don't need to go. I, I don't need to go. And let me tell you this. If the answer to that question fails to be sufficient, the answer to what question? Why do I do this to myself? Do I need to go tonight? If the answer to that question fails to be sufficient in fueling the endurance needed to keep going, then there will likely be a call-in sick, a ghosting of my coach, or uh, I can't make it tonight. You know, I pulled the muscle. You know how we kind of exaggerate some things. I won't show up for class that night because I, I didn't have a, an answer that was sufficient for the thing that I needed to keep enduring through. See, every now and then, see, I don't know about you. I'm just, let me get real pragmatic. This is not spiritual, but uh, let me get real pragmatic here. Every now and then, I got to look at, you know, a picture of like Will Smith or something. 
I'm like, yeah, okay, that, that might be the goal, you know. And listen, it's not for looks, okay. I want, let, me, let me sanctify this. Let me baptize this for a second here as a pastor, all right. This is primarily for health, okay. Uh, brother, I'm, I'm on high blood pressure pills. And I'm trying to get off, get off this stuff. I want to be able to play around with my kids. See, that's a part of the reward. Will Smith is just a small part of the reward. But I want to be able to roll around the floor with my kids without being winded after two minutes saying, all right, give me five minutes, please. I want to be able to preach a little longer. Some of y'all said, no, you don't need to preach a little longer. I want to be able to preach a little longer without being winded. I want to be able to say that, Lord, I can see myself doing this for the long haul. Bring, long haul. Bring it on. I want to be able to wake up looking like Jeff. <laughs> Jeff know I ain't be looking in them shirts, man. <laughs> I want to be able to, to the reward. What is it? It's the reward in front of me that's continuing to fuel the endurance Keep on going. Keep on going. Right at the beginning, I'm going to keep on illustrating this just in case you forgot, just in case you hadn't gotten in the first one. At the, right at the beginning of the, of the year, or right before the beginning of the new year, I said that, hey, if I'm going to get off these, these pills that I'm on, if I'm going to be able to do some of the things that I just mentioned, then I'm going to have to lose some weight, about 50 pounds of weight. Now, I know many of you said that there's no way in the world that this guy has to lose 50 pounds. He's great, right? Thank you for that. Thank you. I had to lose about 50 pounds. I got to about the 30-pound mark right around Easter. And let's just say that a brother was celebrating Easter a little bit more than most. I was happy about the resurrection, the empty tomb, praise the Lord, and I was putting things in my mouth that I ought not to. I um, said, he is risen, and he is risen indeed. And thank you, Lord, for this finished work on the cross. And I began to lose ground and begin to gain weight. I said, wow, it is faster to gain this thing than it is to lose it. I picked up seven pounds like that in, in, in about a week time. I must have been doing a lot of eating. I said, well, wait a minute. Let me remind myself of the goal. The goal is to get off the medicine if I can. The goal is rolling around with my kids. The goal is to be able to continue to move around as that I may be able to continue prosper in the gospel of the ministry. That's the goal. And that fuels the, in, the endurance. I'm happy to say that I'm back on my my goal. I'm, I'm almost at 50 pounds, praise the Lord. <laughs> Somebody always say that brother just came to church so he can get encouraged by the crowd. Well, I am getting encouraged by the crowd. <laughs> he says, listen, don't throw away your confidence because to throw away your confidence is to throw away the reward. You gain seven pounds, James, but if you continue to go this route, you're going to throw away all the things that you were enduring. And don't worry, we're going to get to some good theology about how God is able to keep you and God's sufficient uh, work on the cross. We'll get to that right in a second. But the idea that he's fighting for here is that don't throw away the confidence. Keep on going. Which is why he says here there is a need for perseverance in, 30, in 36. And I say that, he, listen here, praise the Lord that we are all hidden somewhere in this perseverance. There's a need for perseverance, but I praise the Lord that it's not just for the sake of persevering. It's not just for the sake of keep going. It's not just for the sake of seeing how much you can lift and how far you can run. It's not just for that sake, right? We're talking about reward here. It's, it, there, there's an end to it. There's a finish line to it, which is why there's a necessity to keep on persevering because there is a glorious end at the end of the race. I used to have a friend when I lived in Marin that always that, uh, wanted to take me running with him. And we ran off there. We ran about 20-something miles a, a week. 
But he often wanted to take me on runs and said that he didn't want to tell me exactly how far we were going and where we were going. Each time I said, hey, Adam, I'm going to call his name, Adam. They said, you shouldn't do that, but his name is Adam. I said, Adam, I keep telling you, you got to tell me how far we're going because when I don't know that there's a finish to this thing, I grow discouraged in this thing. So give me a sense of how far this thing is and give me a sense that, I, that there will be a, an end to it. He got a joy of seeing me sweat and seeing me waste away. That's not what the Lord is doing here. He's saying that you must keep on going and you must endure, but there is something in front of you and there's something beautiful in front of you that ought to keep, keep you going. The imagery of a child running towards their father as they're taking their first steps and they are going to keep going until they clap, uh, grab onto their father or their mother. Keep on going, baby. You can collapse once you, you get here. And I praise the Lord that there's a coming a time where we don't even need perseverance. See, the endurance is for now, but there's coming a time where we will study war no more and there will be even no more need for running and enduring and persevering or standing up under the weight of something. This is what this is getting at. And perhaps you're here this morning, you're saying, how long, O Lord? As the psalmist cries out and as you're going through this season of, of suffering. And maybe you're the person here this morning and you're saying that, listen, I know the church, I know the world is supposed to be looking at me and seeing that we have this beautiful, collect, calm and collected uh, uh, joy. But Lord, I'm not demonstrating that picture very well. Maybe you're in here and you're saying that, Lord, how long? But I say praise the Lord that the finish line to the longings of our how longs is coming up. And the need for perseverance is that you may receive your reward at the finish line. And that reward is a person. And that person, it represents the conclusion of our, of our race. Listen to what he says in verse 37. In just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. It's a person that we're running towards. See, in verse 37, he does something beautiful here. As I get ready to close our time, he quotes Habakkuk chapter 2, verses, 30, uh, verses 3 and 4. Listen to what he says. He says that, For the vision awaits an appointed time. It testifies of the end and does not lie. Though it lingers, though it lingers, though it lingers, it says, wait for it. Now they say, the county says you're not supposed to be talking while you're in closed doors, but I don't think the church is listening to that. I hear the church singing because we are singing people. I may report you later, but don't worry about it. Today we're going to do an exercise. Listen, repeat after me. Though it lingers, though it lingers, wait for it. Though it lingers, wait for it. Though it lingers, wait for it. Since it will surely come, surely come. Oh, no, you're done. Threes. Since it will surely come and will not delay. Habakkuk says, look at the proud. His soul is not upright, but the righteous will live by faith. And he's looking at a people that are tempted to shrink back in the Old Testament. And he's writing an encouragement of a coming day when Jesus will come. And there's a coming day where Jesus will return. See, he says, do not shrink back. In verses 38 and 39. That idea of shrinking back is the same idea of contracting. 
going back, going back to who you once were, or going back, you once were a part of the realm of darkness and you've entered into the kingdom light. Don't return back to that as the church that he's writing to and as the people he's writing to or witnessing people leave the church. How do we make sense of this? He says, do not shrink back. As a matter of fact, he's going to say that we are actually not of those that shrink back. But I want us to see another place that this beautiful word endurance is, is used. And it's used over and over again in this book. Listen to what he says in chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, after he talks about how uh, in chapter 11, how you have a cloud of witnesses of people that did not shrink back, they went forth and they endured. He talks about it in chapter 11, and then he's going to conclude again by picking up the same idea in in chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus. Not looking to yourself, not looking to your own abilities, not looking to our culture, not looking to CNN or Fox or a president, not looking to anyone but Jesus. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. My encouragement to you this morning is that as you are living and as you are going through various trials, and as you are seeing and witnessing things all around you, that you will stay steadfast and anchored in the work of the Lord and watch how God can sustain you through anything that you may be facing. The reality is that you are able and you have this this beautiful invitation to look at Christ who also endured because he's not calling you to do anything that he hadn't already done himself. But there's something even more powerful at work here is that it's not even dependent upon you. Y'all can come on out. I'm, I'm about to close. <laughs> they said, we missed the cue. It's not even dependent upon you. I'm not asking you to work harder. I'm not asking you to run harder. I'm asking you to rely on what the Lord provides. Listen to what R.C. Spro says regarding this. I think he makes a great point regarding this because he says that we are not ones to shrink back. We have a reason to have joy in the midst of any cultural circumstance. We have a beautiful opportunity to be this painting on display of the hope of the gospel in the world full of darkness. He says we are able to persevere only because God works within us, within our free wills, and because God is at work, work in us. We are certain to persevere. The decrees of God concerning election are immutable. They do not change because he does not change. All whom he justifies, he glorifies. None of the elect has ever been lost. Praise the Lord. You profess faith in this Lord no matter what you're facing right now. Maybe you feel like giving up on your marriage. Maybe you feel like giving up on your faith. Maybe you feel like giving up going to church. You remain steadfast in what the Lord has done. Continue abounding in the work that he has already started in you. And the perfecter of your faith who is able to sustain you and who does sustain you 
He will keep you because our God is a keeper. I want to leave you with these questions right here as I pray for us, but I want to leave you with these questions. Listen, listen. Have you contemplated the question, where does my endurance come from? What has that been for you? And maybe this is an invitation today to switch up what that has been for you. My prayer for you is that your strength will come from the Lord in his strength. Do you see a significant difference between the endurance provided by God in the past and the confidence that he's trying to give you today based off of what he's already done for you in the past? Has your confidence in Christ and in his gospel suffered with your suffering in life? Has some things become a bit numb and you say, Lord, I need some revival, Lord. And what areas of life have you experienced a shrinkage of faith and obedience? What areas have you contracted back to some things that you should not be doing? And where do you need the refilling of the Holy Spirit in your life? With all these questions that I hope that you can apply to your life, let's pray. Father, we are so thankful this morning that though, Lord, we may experience trial, though we may experience suffering, though we, we occupy the same world that others all around us do, Lord, we have a hope, God, that's able to outlive our circumstances. Because we have a hope that's waiting to meet us, the reward of that hope that's ready and waiting to meet us at the end of our race. Lord, I pray right now for the endurance of your people and the joy of their confidence, God. I pray, Lord, for those who don't see a reason to keep on going in life, who want to even give up on life itself. My prayer is that they will find life in you and they will come to see you as a life-giving God who creates life out of nothing, Lord, and who can give it, Father. Who can give life based on what Christ has done on the cross to secure this life and secure this hope for us. It's my prayer for us this morning for our endurance, for our confidence, and for our joy. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen.